All opinions expressed by the program participants are their own and do not reflect those of Blue Line Futures LLC or their affiliates. The content is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as trading advice. Futures trading involves a substantial risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Therefore, carefully consider whether such trading is suitable for your financial condition. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 23 of the Macro Corner podcast, proudly presented by Blue Line Futures. I am your host, Paul Wankmuller, and my co-host is Giannis Mindall. Welcome to the show, Giannis. Hey, Paul. How are you doing today? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, Today's episode, we're going to focus on a possible regime shift on Wall Street. Uh, We do have a couple of data points out there today, a couple of things that, that you have presented to the Macro Corner podcast listeners, and let's dive right into this. So with all that being said, what do you see with regards to capital being allocated differently, uh, maybe coming up, or maybe you see some things now, uh, large caps versus small caps versus growth, uh, things like that. And you know, we'll, we'll discuss how all of those things are going on in this bearish sentiment of an environment. Yeah. So what we have seen basically uh, ever since we would have central banks globally have uh, have been determined to keep rates near zero bound is that uh, cash flows further out are more valuable than the uh, certain cash flows in the not too distant future. So as a result, we have seen a bid in technology stocks, any sort of asset that has high duration, uh, which just means the, the cash flows are going to happen um, much further out in the future. And as a result, uh, the assets that are cash flow rich assets that have a high dividend yield have not nearly received the same sort of bid. So you compare on a factor basis, uh, the S&P with, say, large cap, mid cap, small cap value versus growth, you see that value has definitely underperformed for a really long time. And we have seen that trend sort of reverse. So uh, ever since this recent downtrend in stocks began, uh, we saw a shift of capital uh, from smaller uh, growth names into higher growth names. And a lot of investors were basically thinking that these large cap growth names, such as Apple, Microsoft, Google, so on and so forth, were sort of safe haven asset because mm-hmm. you might not want to invest in a company that doesn't have any cash flows at all, but you might be willing to reallocate to an Apple, to a Microsoft that still has some sort of more certain profitability metrics. But that in turn means that the multiples of these stocks, of these large cap growth stocks stayed rather elevated for a rather long time. But then the economics of each sort of asset still have to match the, the expectations that get built into price. If the value does not match or if the economics of the business do not match the price, then price has to readjust in some manner. And that's what we're seeing currently. Right. I think we can throw meta in there as well. That market ha- market cap rather has shrunken uh, greatly over the past over the past year, and I, mean, I guess you can go even more into saying those companies are not; they don't really have tangible assets such as the energy companies and, and things like that that we've seen outperform over the past year. Yeah, and I mean, with Meta specifically, you saw that their plan to invest aggressively in an idea, which is the metaverse, mm-hmm. for years on end was not well received by a lot of investors and there were open letters to meta management basically complaining that 
they want to see more tangible cash flows in the present tense rather than the future. So, uh, I mean, this goes back to portfolio allocation and the way that investors have thought about um, different asset classes, different sectors in a low interest rate regime, which is that they valued future promises by a much greater extent than they seem to do today. So if if they need to re, reshift capital from large cap growth names that might still have higher multiples than say energy, then that has its own implications. What we do see historically speaking is that the weightings of different sectors and the associated cash flow profiles associated with each sector those sector weightings within the index tend to mean revert. So mm-hmm. there was a there was a point in time in the past when energy had the same weighting as technology has today in the S&P. And so we need to be cognizant of the fact that some conditions are more lasting than others, but rarely do we see them persist for a su- substantial degree of time, which we sort of have over the last 15 years with right. technology stocks, of course, being... Um, everybody's staple in each portfolio. Yeah, I think we're about at 4% around on the energy weighting of the S&P. And just uh, going a little bit different direction here, we do have the U.S. elections tomorrow, the, the midtown elect, the uh, midterm elections, rather. And normally we do see kind of an overabundance of negative sentiment going into events like this. What do you see out there on the, on this this time around? Yeah, so what we do see on the retail sentiment, as well as the active manager's sentiment on both ends that they have both been underexposed or underweight risk uh, going into not only last week's Fed meeting, but also this week's midterm elections. So when you tend to have investors anticipate a risk event, that's usually not when the black swan occurs. So we need to be, even though maybe some of the macro conditions out there, such as the ones that we've covered in past podcast episodes, even though those might justify the, rather bearish sentiment in across risk assets, we still need to be cognizant of the fact that uh, markets are a supply demand um, imba- or a supply demand balancing act. And if too many people are itself to uh, counter trend rally, I mean, uh, this is much more complex than just short term <laughs> supply and demand. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a sentiment is definitely part of uh, the toolkit with which you want to look at these markets. And speaking of toolkits and uh, complex issues, move over to the Fed for a little bit. And there still has a, a lot of work to be done uh, if they are going to see inflation subside. But you know, what factors or data points do you see uh, that have to change in order to garner a pivot of a pause or pivot or a pause going forward for the Fed? Yes. So the most important factor, and we've we sound like a pro- broken record on this is the, the wage, the wage part of the inflation. So, what, I mean, the unique thing with wages is really that you have this self-fulfilling prophecy at some point where the wages lead to higher prices and those higher prices lead to higher wages. So that cycle needs to break for the Fed to succeed in the fight against inflation. As of Recently, we saw that wages sort of cooled off on a year-on-year basis, and that, of course, has spilled into positive pivot hopes that a lot of investors have. But then you need to be aware of the idea that you could see a resurgence in some of these 
industries where labor might be substantially undersupplied. And watching some of these union debates and some of these wage negotiations, these unions don't seem too keen on settling for uh, wages that they don't deem uh, satisfactory. So if we do see high, higher prices for longer, which lead to higher wages, then that it has its own implications for the Fed and the way policy needs to adjust. I mean, uh, the Powell was rather clear during his press conference then that they are a long way from pausing. And yeah. if they are a long way from pausing, that certainly means they are a much longer way from pivoting in any shape or form. And the one risk that maybe some participants are not considering today is if indeed inflation settles in at a much higher rate, and then we see a resurgence in that inflation, which would mean an even more aggressive response. So that's diametrically opposite to what everybody is expecting, which is inflation uh, or interest rates sort of peak out, and then at some point they will pivot. If that is not the case, if they will pivot to the upside, that is, again, diametrically opposed to what everybody is currently um, having in their investor framework. Yeah, and that's, you know, going back to, we were speaking of large caps and versus small caps, the wage inflation spiral would really, really hurt the smaller businesses and, and also the companies that don't have those cash flows coming in to be able to support something like that. Yeah, I mean, that this all goes back to do the economics of a business work and what are the main pressures that go any given uh, enterprise. I mean, you have wages on the one hand, but then you have the fundamental question of what is the cost of capital. There were a lot of businesses that uh, did manage to refinance in 2020 and 2021 when rates were still low, but then those maturities will come up at some point. And when, if inflation again sticks around for longer, if interest rates stay elevated for longer, then there will be some compromise there. Sounds good. Uh, we can end it with one last thing. If you want to talk about anything on the international scope, I know you always like to clue our listeners in on what's going on around the rest of the world compared to the U.S. here. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we're currently watching is, um, and this is an old adage, that you never get hit by the train that you see already coming. And this sort of relates back to the idea of European natural gas prices. We saw a substantial um, decrease in the price of Dutch TTF, and mm. perhaps Europe is able to manage and mitigate some of the current energy crisis much better than most people had anticipated. So it just speaks to the idea that one needs to uh, be open-minded towards all outcomes, but predominantly we're watching the central bank responses around the globe to economic growth that's being rather elevated in the U.S. to a job market that's still rock solid really you look yeah. at not at the jobless claims number not season non-seasonally adjusted and that gets us to uh into the 180s so uh what we're seeing is that this job market is extremely tight and yeah. until that cycle breaks until the fed succeeds or again if the real economy responds i mean we talked about that last week um in, in the in the late 1970s, you had a capex boom, and absent real real capital flowing back into some of these sectors, some of these forces may have to persist for a while longer. It sounds great, Giannis. Always a pleasure having you on the show. That was Giannis Mindall. Thank you very much for episode 23 of the Macro Corner podcast. The Blue Line Futures chart book is available in the description of the podcast on bluelinefutures.com as well as attached to the email sent to clients every Sunday. Not a client? 
reach out to podcast at bluelinefutures.com for a two-week complimentary trial of our premium research covering equity indices, bonds, metals, grains, livestock, and more. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. We'll see you next week. All opinions expressed by the program participants are their own and do not reflect those of Blue Line Futures LLC or their affiliates. The content is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as trading advice. Futures trading involves a substantial risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Therefore, carefully consider whether such trading is suitable for your financial condition.